Last week we had a scripture uh, reference that is one of my favorites. I have lots of favorites when Richie last week was talking about early on um, uh, having a life verse. I've never been able to figure out how you do that because there are just too many good verses to have a life verse. And so, um, so I've had, um, I've had uh, like 27 hundred of them or so because <laughs> I never can make up my mind and maybe that's just indecisiveness but Matthew 4.4 4 says that it is written man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God and so as we as we take a look at heaven we really have to be comforted that uh, that the word of God speaks absolute truth and um, when we start talking tonight about what we're going to do in heaven um, it, it becomes pretty important that we let Scripture really speak because this is where people that have written books on heaven and people that we have talked to over time get a little exuberant. And we have to be careful in our exuberance that we don't go outside of what the Word of God says. It's okay to use our imagination in areas where there's not absolute specificity but only just to use our imagination, not to say that this is absolutely the way it will be when Scripture doesn't, um, we can't quantify that, biblically speaking. So that's kind of the, uh, the setup for talking about what, what we're going to be doing in heaven. Last week we looked um, at heavenly relationships and Psalm 73:25 says that the earth has nothing I desire but you. And the key word there that we looked at last week was desire. So what do we desire while we're here? I, I hope because we should be desiring Christ. We should be desiring Christ. Because when we're in heaven, we will be desiring Christ. And there's the, there's the changeover because we're imperfect now. We're very fallible. We're very broken people. And so, boy, it's hard. We need to be reminded. I love communion because it reminds us, that, oh, I just need to be reminded of how much Jesus loves me. You know, I just, I just need that regularly. But when we get there, we will desire Christ. And we should be storing up our treasures in heaven. Why? Because that's our home. Because heaven is our home. Yeah, why do we want to store up anything here that's just going to go away? We looked at last week. There was a question on the table last week. Are we taking anything with us when we leave? And of course, we always say that in terms of the physical things and the material things. Of course, we're not taking any material things with us to heaven. But we are taking some things because we know when we go to heaven, we have relationships here and we are going to be rejoined with people in heaven that we knew here. And we are going to join with, with Jesus, who we have a desire to be in intimate relationship, imperfectly here, certainly perfectly there. See, we're taking that with us. We don't, we don't leave that behind and start anew. What we do is we start redeemed. And so we will be taking some things to heaven with us. And it's kind of exciting to think about that because I, there's a lot of stuff that I just don't care about. Really, on a, on a comparative basis to, uh, you know what, whether the Impala has a 409 in it or not, it doesn't matter because I can assure you we're not taking our Impalas with a, with a, a, a Tri-Power or a 409, right? Only a car guy would understand that. Now, having said that, that we know that our heavenly relationships, of course, are going to be made perfect. 
And we also know that relationally that we are not going to have the same kinds of relationships in heaven that we have here. And we saw quite clearly that there's not going to be any marriage in heaven not to each other because there's going to be one marriage in heaven and that it is going to be at that wedding feast of the Lamb that is going to take place in heaven. We will be the bride of Christ. The church will be the bride of Christ. And that's an amazing thought, really, because what's going to happen is, is we are going to have intimate relationships not only with the living God who is going to come and live with us, but we are going to have relationships with each other and they're not all going to be the same. So I'm expecting, quite frankly, to have relationships with certain people that are much closer than I have relationships with other people. And yet we're going to have an eternity to grow in relationship with all people, which is which is also a pretty amazing thought. And the whole idea of this relationship in heaven that is based on love gives us an idea of what real true covenant is. Because not until we get to heaven are we going to have a real full understanding of covenant. Because we can talk about it and we can preach on it and we can read about it and we can pray about it. But we as humans just don't fully grasp covenant because, because we're lawbreakers and, and God isn't. And even though we believe, don't we, that God keeps Every single promise. And when he says, I love you, we believe that. Most of the time. But when we get to heaven and we're in covenant relationship with God, it's going to be so much more clear. And so love will reign in heaven. Interesting because Jesus told us that's what he wants us to do here. It's a preparation. This is all preparation. And there's work to be done here. And we're going to see in just a bit that there's work to be done there too. So what are we going to do with in the future heaven? Because we know that there is a present heaven, right? There are those that are in heaven right now. And yet that heaven is going to pass away. Scripture says that it's going to pass away. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth and we've been confronted in the last several weeks with new heavens. There's a plural and a singular. And we were taking a look at that from a, from a, uh, from a biblical worldview. And we know that heavens are, um, uh, are descriptive of, of the cosmos. That is this creation of God that goes on for infinity. That right now we look at through the Hubble telescope and we see those pictures. And that's nothing. That's just right here. Because we know that what God has created... Is 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 un um, uh, apprehendable. We can't we can't put our arms around it because who can who can grasp the heavens that have no end? I love scientists trying to figure that one out. <laughs> Don't you just love science? There's global warming these days, you know. But now it's not really global warming; it's climate change, and it's all political. It has nothing to do. It might. Might there be a climate change and might things be warming up? Sure, it's happened before. I can take you in the airplane. We can fly right up to the Sierras and I can show you where the last ice age was because there are huge, huge cuts out of the mountains up there where there were glaciers. I don't know when there were glaciers there. I'm not that old. Well, my wife is, but... <laughs> she had a birthday. You're not picking on me. 
Oh, this is recorded, isn't it? Oh, I shouldn't have said that. But the point is, is that there was at one point, there was ice there. And it's not there any longer. Okay? And so, when things are going to be happening in heaven, it's all going to be based on God and who he is. And it won't have any, it won't have any politics to it at all. <laughs> there won't be politics. There will be ruling and reigning with Christ, but there won't be any politics. So what are we going to be doing in the future heaven? This new heaven and this new earth that are going to collide, that John saw with that new Jerusalem coming out of heaven, down from heaven. And it's going to be on earth. And so we see that heaven and earth collide and heaven will be very similar to what we see when we look out the door, but in a perfected state. What are we going to do there? We're going to be there. How are we going to be there? Resurrected bodies. In resurrected bodies. We will be in the new heaven in resurrected bodies. Resurrected glorified bodies, I might add. Spiritual bodies that are physical as opposed to physical bodies that are spiritual. That's that flip it on the head thing that we've been talking about in terms of everything that the world sees is upside down according to what God has provided for us, right? It's just almost everything is turned upside down. And so are we going to have, because of these glorified, resurrected bodies, are we going to have then abilities that we don't have now? I see it. I see this. Somebody, somebody translate the head nod into words for me. Yes. And what do you suppose that these abilities might be that we'll have in heaven? Think about some place and we'll be there. Perhaps we'll take a look at that biblically tonight. Because one of the questions we're going to answer is, how are we going to get around in heaven? Well, there's got to be the ability to fly, obviously. Because <laughs> I hope there's airplanes there. If the city is 1500 by 1500 by 1500, we're not going to be walking up. Hmm. You would think that there's a mode of transportation. <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. Well, we're also going to be we're also going to have the ability to to um, travel the universe, okay, and, and explore. And so, how does that relate with the change in our body? There is going to be a different body. Praise God, we're going to have a different body. Amen. So we'll have this different body, and what is that? How does that? Uh, how does that kind of touch you right now relative to? what we might be able to do in an expanded way from what we can do now. Go for a hike and not get tired. First of all, we can go for a hike and not get tired because our bodies will never fail us. <laughs> Olivia, <laughs> you can throw your cane away, but not tonight. Not tonight. Because you're not going to have knee pain. You're not going to have a body that fails. You are not going to run out of energy. You are not. You are going to have a glorified, resurrected body that will never fail. And never is a really long time. So we strive right now in the here and now for Christ-likeness. Amen? I mean, that's one of our goals is to please God and to, and to live a life that is Christ-like. We want to live godly lives. That's our goal. 
And we know that we're made in His image. Right? There's actually a plural to that too, huh? Uh huh. In our image, that's right. Okay, and we know that we're still going to be male. If you're male here, there, there's no t- transgenderism in heaven. I can assure you of that. There isn't. If you are male, you will be male in heaven. If you are female, you will be female in heaven. You're going to take who you are with you to heaven. God made you fearfully and wonderfully. He's not going to change that. So let's look at some clues as to what we might expect. Turn to John twenty nineteen. I bet that's one of your 2,700 favorites. <laughs> <laughs> one up. John 2019. We're going to take a look at three attributes of what we're going to be like so that we can then grasp what we're going to do. Because it's going to be a lot easier to understand the things that we're going to be doing in heaven when we have a better handle on what our attributes are going to be. John twenty nineteen. Susan, you look like you're there. You're not using your electronic Bible. Did you no. give up on it? You I like to, you like turning pages, don't you? <laughs> okay. John twenty nineteen. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. What's going on in that verse? We've talked about it before. The door was locked. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. You know, if you look at the whole context of this, the boys were were scared. Okay, they were scared, and of course they had been through some tough times already. And they were in the room, and they were huddled together. And Jesus showed up, but he didn't have to knock or open the door. Clue number one in a resurrected body. Jesus, at least, didn't have the same time-space continuum that we have. Hard for us to grasp because we think about that in science fiction movies, right? But biblically speaking, the truth of the matter is that in this reference to Jesus in his resurrected body, and we will be made Christ-like, we want to be Christ-like now, we desire that, we will be fully righteous then, not in Christ's righteousness because that will be over, and we will be fully righteous in a resurrected body, and Jesus is the example of not being in this time-space continuum with that earthly restraint where he had to open a door or a window to get in. Number one, Luke twenty-four thirty through 31. I know Dwayne's there because he has every one of these loaded up on his iPad. Right. Go ahead. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Mike, what did he do in their sight? He disappeared. Okay, number two, this same Jesus. In this same resurrected body, in this same event, was in the room, and they were kept from seeing who he was. So the Holy Spirit somehow had blinded them to who he was, and then they ate, and they gave it to him, 
their eyes were opened and they had a wow moment. This is Jesus that walked in this room without opening the closed and locked door because we're huddled up in here and we're hiding. And he broke bread with them. And then after they recognized, he what? All right. Hold on to that thought for just a second. And turn to Acts 1.9. Let's read this third attribute. Acts 1.9. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in the language of the demon. That is, field of blood. Acts 1.9. Um, 19. <laughs> You're all off. Oh, see, you got an extra number there. Acts 1 9. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Alright. What happened with Jesus in his resurrected body? What was going on here? He ascended. What would need to happen for ascension to take place? Oh, Oh, that's interesting. So Jesus, somehow or another, wasn't affected by gravity. There was a, there, the principle here is, is that Jesus didn't need a door. Jesus was able in his resurrected body, God resurrected Jesus from the dead. And he was able to just disappear. He went away. Now, we don't know because we're not told where Jesus went exactly, but this is not the first and only time that this has happened in Scripture. And then we see in Acts that Jesus ascended. Huh, that's interesting. Because where are we going to meet? In the air. I'm guessing no helicopters or hot air balloons will be involved. So, I mean, think about this. Here we have three attributes of a risen Christ that the time-space continuum here had no impact on. Okay? Three and a half billion cubic miles of space in the New Jerusalem. And we don't know how many stories that is. We're not told a lot of the details. We just know that it's very big. And there are many rooms there. And we are going to live in this place and it is going to be the center of worship, if you will. And it won't matter that we're on the bottom floor because I'm pretty confident that we're not going to be dealing with gravity in a cube. Okay? I'm pretty sure, now I don't know because we're not told, but that's not going to be an issue. Alright? It just isn't. If we are going to believe what Scripture is teaching us. So is that a foreshadow of what heaven is going to be like? Or is this exclusively happening because of the deity of Jesus Christ? Hmm? Hmm? We will be made like him. We don't know. Anybody else? It won't be crowded even though Ernie will be there. <laughs> and that's right. Ernie won't. And I wonder if he'll have a camera. I'm not sure. I bet you I will. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's go a little further then. If we're not sure, if we're not sure, but if we are going to be made Christ-like, we will have our resurrected, glorified bodies in heaven. There is absolutely no question about that. None whatsoever. 
We will be resurrected and we will be in this new heaven and this new earth, all of us together, all at the same time when we get there. Okay? And we will be like Christ because we know that one of the things we're going to do when we get there is we're going to reign with him. Ooh. Okay? And rule with him. Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. And we're going to look at three verses in 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 40, 42, and 47. Do I have them on your list, by the way? I do. Perfect. I didn't color code them uh, red, and I normally do. I can read it. Okay. Read verse 40 for me, if you would, Brenda. There are also terrestrial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory... Of the terrestrial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. That's it. So, Brenda, in that scripture, clearly what we're being told is there is a radical difference between a heavenly body and an earthly body. Now, I want you to grasp this for a second because I don't think, Olivia, that we can grasp the differences. I don't think that we can grasp the differences. But look at that scripture, and it says that there are earthly bodies and there are heavenly bodies, the splendor of which between the two is very different. There's a heavenly splendor and an earthly splendor, if you will, depending on which... which uh, is that the New King James or the King James? Is it just the King, King James? King James, yeah. I often like the King James. I like the New King James, too. And then, what about... Let's keep going. What about verse 42 in that same chapter... First uh, Corinthians 15, verse 42. You want me to go on? Or? Uh, let's read. Who has an NIV? So NIV oh. was the resurrection of the dead. Stop. Could you read that one more time? So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. Okay, the context here is talking about these different kinds of bodies. We were just looking in John, Luke, and Acts about the three attributes of a resurrected Christ who we will be given bodies like. We will be resurrected and we will have glorified bodies. And we're seeing these three attributes where there's no time-space continuum that we're used to. Okay? And then it says that there's going to be radical different earthly to heavenly bodies. And then in verse 42, just the very first portion, I'll let you read on in a second, Ernie. It says that, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. So it will be when we are resurrected that these radical things, okay, that are hard for us to grasp right now in terms of our attributes in our bodies will be able to take place. But we're told to think about these things. Go ahead and finish the rest of verse 42. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised in perishable. Okay, read uh, verse 43 and 44 also, if you would. Okay. It is sown in dishonor. It is in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a I love it every time we talk about this, Mike. I think about you because we talk about the difference in our body. You know, this physical body that's that's spiritual, then we're going to be raised a spiritual body that's physical. There will be absolute physicality to it because we see Jesus in complete physicality in his resurrected body. No question they knew who he was. They their eyes were open. Whoa, it's Jesus. Doubting Thomas, oh, it's Jesus, my Lord, my God, he says. And then we see that there is this natural body. And how is it raised? 
in power. Okay, 1 Corinthians says that it is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. And it is sown naturally, but it is raised spiritually. I like to put the, the word picture there spiritually supernatural because we think about our natural bodies in a particular way because our knees are all bummed up. And yet in our spiritual body raised, resurrected, glorified, there will be no such thing. None. There will be no such thing. So then verse 47, the last one in this in this section. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man from heaven. And who is uh, who is this scripture referring to? Adam and Jesus, the first man of the dust. We know that story well, don't we? And the second man is of heaven. Where is Jesus? Where are we going? What are we going to do when we get there with him? Like him and reign and rule with him. We will be like him. We will reign and we will rule with him. You see, these radical bodies that we are going to have are only radical in the sense that we don't, we think about it in terms of the way our bodies are now. Because that's, that's what I know. That's what I know. But you see, this man of heaven is going to be this Jesus. And then we are going to be in heaven. And we are going to have a raised in power, glorified, resurrected body that was made for heaven. Get the picture? Made for heaven. And that's why in Colossians, uh, it tells us to be thinking about these things, these heavenly things. Because as we think about it in the context of earth, we're messed up like a Chinese fire girl. Anybody ever do a Chinese fire girl? When we were kids, we used to go to the YB. I'm telling you how old I am. Before there was a stoplight at the at the Vons, which really was a Safeway, which anyway, um, we used to we used, when we were kids and like 16 year olds don't listen to this. We used to pull up there and we would stop in the middle of the intersection and we of course would get out and we'd run around the car like three or four times and people would be honking you know and we'd jump in the car and then, and then take off. That's a Chinese fire joke to, to my understanding. That's what we used to do. So anyway, if we're messed up, we think that way, don't we? We think like we're just running around. We've we got to think about these things in terms of, of our biblical worldview. Heavenly speaking, we will be made for heaven when we are raised. And clearly in heaven, we are going to have abilities that go well beyond even what we can imagine. So. Given those abilities, we're going to be in heaven with abilities that go be. We won't have a requirement for doors in the new Jerusalem. I'm very confident of that. We are not going to be bound by gravity. I'm very confident biblically about that. Especially in a cube city. There is not going to be an elevator that goes to the 1,400 mile um, level. I'm very confident of that. Why? Because we see that there's streets there, there's roads there, there's gates there, there's rivers there, there's all kinds of things there that are in a normal city. We see all of that stuff and yet we're going to be there in this condition that goes beyond what we can even imagine right now. So given that, 
given the fact that we are going to be thinking almost like, I mean, we have to think about it in terms of, of these bodies are, 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 they're not natural. Or are they? Flip it upside down. Because I would, I would, I would submit to you that the body you have now is not natural because that's not the one that God created for you. That came after the fall for a very short period of time. And, and Brenda, when you get a brand new body that is never going to perish and it is going to be made perfect, it's never going to wear out, that is what God intended. You see, that is natural. From a biblical Verse worldview. Verse 44 says, It is sown a natural body and it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also the spiritual body. Correct. Just change it. What I'm saying is, is that in God's economy, it is flipped upside down. Natural is what you understand. I'm just suggesting that biblically speaking, that what will be more natural when we're in heaven... It will be these spiritual bodies that we have with physical properties to them. It will look very much like the one you're in right now, only a lot better. But that is the most natural. But God's Word talks about the natural body being sown because that's what we can relate to right now. That's what we understand. But we're going to be in our resurrected bodies and our glorified bodies for how long? How long is that? They just keep on, the ever's never stop. So purely from a timing point of view, that seems more natural to me than this. But don't you think Paul used the word natural? So he meant like fleshly or Flesh. human? Yeah, and I think that we, if we really did a word study on that, I think that we would see that in the original language, that's exactly what was intended. That these fleshly bodies that we have now, these fallen bodies that we have now, these corruptible bodies that we have now, all of which, of course, is going to change. So given the fact that those bodies that we're going to have are going to be completely made new, and given the fact that we're going to be in this place called the New Jerusalem where there are many rooms, or houses, or mansions, depending on which version you're reading out of, we know that from just a few weeks ago that if there's 50 billion people in the New Jerusalem, everybody will have four cubed miles to themselves. It's a really, really big place. And when I told my wife that, she says, I'm going to have to vacuum that? (laughs) I don't think so. going to have a mighty big vacuum. (laughs) No, I think that's going to be Ernie's job. He's going to be doing all the vacuuming. So how do you suppose we're going to travel around? Let's just take the New Jerusalem for a moment. How do you suppose we're going to travel around in this place? Not only this place, but what about the heavens? Plural again, heavens. Out there. See, because God says that he's going to have all this creation for us. He did this for us. So how are we going to... Well, turn to 2 Peter 
We already know this. Go ahead, Blaine. I know you're there. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Okay, in, in this particular passage, is heaven singular or plural? Singular. We're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. This is the new heaven and the new earth that John saw. And the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven. The new heaven and the new earth. This is the place where God is going to come and dwell with us. As opposed to us going to heaven with Jesus. Did you say singular? Singular. Heaven. Because New Living Translation says new heavens. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and there are some interesting translations. If you look back and if you go to... If you, you don't have to turn there now. But if you read Isaiah 65 and 66. And Isaiah is prophesying about about this future place, okay? And he, and he talks about, in fact, uh, uh, let's go there. Let's, let's go to a different place. Uh, turn to Psalms 19.1. In Isaiah 65 and 66, Isaiah declares the new heavens plural, the new heavens plural. And I think it's quite unfortunate that in some cases, the singularity and the plural of heavens gets mixed. But let's take a look at Psalm 19.1. Because I want to make sure that there's a clear picture here of the heavens and the heaven. Because we look at, at when, remember when, when Paul says, I got caught up to the third heaven. Well, whether in the body, I don't know, only God knows. Remember that? And what was the third heaven that he was talking about? Heaven. Okay, well, that, was the, that, was, that was heaven because he blew right past the heavens. Okay, because there's the earth, there's the heavens, and then there's heaven. Okay, and that's what they would have understood when that was written during that time. But what does Psalm 19 1 say? It says heavens plural and the heavens what they declare the glory of God. Yes. Okay. so so in the Psalms, it talks about the psalmist talks about it. Isaiah talks about it. It's talked about regularly that when the heavens are being described in Scripture, it's talking about the cosmos. And when John in Revelation and when Isaiah is prophesying and elsewhere in Scripture, when it talks about the new heaven and the new earth, it's generally singular because the heaven and earth come together because we think about heaven as a place, right? Why? Because it is. It's a place. Okay. <laughs> that was a trick question. So, so heaven is a place. The present heaven is a place. There are people there now. We know that from our study on heaven. And so the new heaven and the new earth, God redeems everything. Okay? And the new heaven and the new earth. Think about it this way. I like, I like the collision uh, analogy. The new heaven and the new earth go bam! And they come together. And heaven and earth become one because, because the, what is the dwelling place of God and the Lord Jesus Christ? Heaven. Okay? And Scripture tells us that in this new heaven and this new earth that come together, that are made one singular, God comes and dwells with us. Very, very Genesis-oriented, isn't it? Sounds like the original plan of God. That he lived with Adam. And it wasn't good until he 
made Eve, and then he said, oh, it's good. And he lived with them, and he walked in the garden with them, in the cool of the day. Very interesting. Second Peter 3.13 talks about this new heaven singular. That's where we're going to live. And the heavens are going to be made available. Now we're going to see what that looks like because we're talking about how in the heck are we going to get around because the heavens are a big place. Because right now, it's okay to use science. Science tells us right now that there are planets out there. And science tells us that there are uh, there are uh, uh, nebulae and galaxies and, and uh, there's all that stuff. Well, I'm telling you, biblically speaking, there is more stuff out there than we have than we currently have words to describe. That's why Paul said, "Woo!" I, I, I can't remember. He couldn't. There was nothing he could say when he came back from from that experience that he had uh, because it was unspeakable. It was just totally unspeakable. So we don't know what he saw. We don't know what God revealed to him. All we know is that it wasn't speakable because there weren't words. Nothing could describe it. That's a biblical truth. So there's nothing that we could use word-wise to describe what he saw. Which is why several weeks ago I said, be really careful of those people that are writing books because they said that they went to heaven and they came back. I don't discount that they had an experience, but biblically, you also have heard me say that nobody has ever died biblically and gone to heaven and come back. Every heaven experience biblically was a vision that was a gift from God. Nobody died to go there. Biblically. Okay? If you were a Berean, you would immediately say, time out. You've got to rethink what you're writing here because I'm really concerned that it doesn't tie up out to Scripture. So we have this, this new heaven and we're going to be there and we're going to be reigning with Christ. And what are we going to reign over in these glorified, resurrected, all-powerful bodies that God gives us? What are we going to reign over? What does Scripture tell us? We looked at this the last couple of weeks. What are we going to reign over with Christ? Angels? Okay, that's who. That's a who. What? Give me the what. Everything. Everything. Ding, 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 ding. That's the right answer. We are going to rule over everything. What is everything? Everything, everything is everything. See, everything is the full cosmos. I want you to get. I want you to grab this now for a second because Mike, remember how big the New Jerusalem is. Yep. Okay, God, God redeems everything. That is not some of his creation, all of it. Okay, and in the Greek, all still means all, everything still means everything. That means that we are told that when we are in heaven, we are going to rule and reign with Christ over all creation. Now, stop for just a second. A lot of us think, how can that be? It's such a big place. <laughs> we don't even know how big it is because there's planets that haven't been discovered yet. There's galaxies that we don't know about. We just know it's big and we want to try to discover it. And yet, God's Word tells us 
Sally, little old Sally, is going to be part of ruling and reigning over everything God has created. Sally. <laughs> I'll say, and he was in the upper room, and when it was revealed to the boys who Jesus was, what, where did he do? Where did he go? Don't know. When he got there, how did he get there? We don't know that either. But we do know what he did when he got there. He appeared in the room. A foreshadow. I would submit a foreshadow to our heavenly transportation. A foreshadow. Does Scripture say exactly how that's going to happen? Why? Because we can't fathom it. You see, we can say our normal modus operandi when we don't understand something because it's not revealed to us. <laughs> yeah, we put God in a box, or we or we get to a point where we have to we decide what makes us comfortable. Okay. But Scripture doesn't tell us to do that. Scripture gives us clues and an indication. And I, I so love my experience with Brenda. And I, I just love it. Can I share the story when we were talking about you and, and, and your wanting to see your mother in heaven and me wanting to see my mother in heaven? Two people, Brenda and I, share something in common. We are anxious to see our mothers in heaven. I, I mean anxious. Like one of the first people. And yet we're going to recognize them, but they're not not because of what they look like, because of who they are. I can't. I don't understand that. I don't know how God is going to give me the ability to 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 see my mom for who she is and not what she looked like. I have no way to understand. But then again, I don't have a. Keep saying they have clothes on them and whatnot. (laughs) Perhaps white robes. Yeah. We recognize them that way as much as by their spirit. Maybe. <coughs> but I don't know what the current style is going to be. But I don't know. You know, she might be wearing pumps and I might be wearing platform shoes. I don't know. I hope not. That's so 70s. <laughs> but, but the point is, the point is, it's not made perfectly clear but we have a foreshadow and pictures because the picture is Jesus. You want to get a good clue on what things are going to be like in heaven, study Jesus. Who he is, what he did, what he said, and that will give you a foreshadow of what it is going to be like in heaven, relationally and every other way. So we're going to be responsible for ruling over all creation. Sally will have a piece of it, and Ernie, believe it or not, Ernie is going to have a piece of it. (laughs) We're all going to have a piece of it. We're going to have attributes there that we can't even imagine now. But to rule and reign over all of God's creation, it means that it's going to have to be managed somehow. 
And that means that we are going to each be given some responsibility, which is a good thing, by the way, not a bad thing. And we're going to see that in terms of, of work. And, and it means all of it. Well, <clears throat> all right, let's reel this thing in just for a second now, okay? Because now we're going to have these bodies. We got, we got this good idea now that we're, we're not going to be bound by the things that we're so used to here, which is what we understand. We will be unbound. That's total freedom, okay? Like we have freedom in Christ now, we will really be free then. And we will be responsible in some way, shape, or form for the entirety of God's creation and we'll travel around in it. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, just tonight I heard somebody say, well, I think we'll probably, able to, we'll probably be in a position just to be able to think about where we're supposed to go and we'll be there. Maybe. That's kind of the picture that we got from Jesus the Bible doesn't say that, but it alludes to it. Is that enough for us? Woohoo! Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> In a sense, that's biblically correct. In a sense, that is biblically correct. So before you reject these things just out of hand, Hmm. Because we don't understand them? Hmm. Turn to Ephesians 3.20. Because this is the second half of the picture of, of how we're going to be able to do the things that we're going to be doing in heaven, which is ruling and reigning with Christ. And Ephesians 3.20 says, and I want you to keep this in the context of eternity, not just the here and now. Okay, so somebody read Ephesians 3.20 and everybody listen in light of eternity. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, does that work within us? That's enough. All that we ask or imagine. I started out the night saying, listen, it's okay to use your imagination. Paul was caught up and when he got back, whether he was in the body or not, only God knows. When he got back, there were no words. Because the words had, haven't been... Uh, he, he didn't have it up here. He didn't have it in here. He, didn't, he couldn't put it out here. He couldn't explain what it was that God revealed to him. Yet John was revealed a whole lot of things about heaven. John the Revelator, because a lot of revelation was given to him. Amen? But God can do more than we ask. That's a whole other issue. Why don't we ask for a lot? <laughs> That's a whole other setting, isn't it? But I'm telling you, we are of little faith, right? I believe. God, help me with my unbelief. I mean, isn't that how we live sometimes? Unfortunately... But more than we can imagine. But we can't stop there. Because if you finish that, the next verse says, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Forever and ever. See, this is a picture of God doing immeasurably more than we can even, that we ask or that we can even imagine. Forever. 
It's not just a picture of praying now. So to Him be the glory. That's what we're going to be doing in heaven. Everything that we do is going to be to God's glory. Throughout all the generations, forever and ever, whatever we do will be to God's glory. So we can't read into it what it doesn't say, but we have to pull out of it what it does say. And what it does say is that somehow miraculously, because it's quite a miracle, I'm pretty confident nobody in this room can explain it to me, because I certainly can't explain it to you. And I've never heard it explained. Paul certainly couldn't do it. And yet, more than we can imagine is what God has for us in these raised in power, resurrected, glorified bodies that are going to be used in heaven to do a whole bunch of things that we're going to look at next for His glory. Wow. If we turn to Ephesians 2, you're already in Ephesians, right? So turn to Ephesians 2, 6, and 7. While you're turning there, I'm going to read it. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages... Circle that in your Bible, if you would. He might show, circle that word too, the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You see, the word show in the, read, in the, in the original language means reveal. Okay? So if you read that this way, that He might reveal His incomparable riches of His grace. But then we have to look at in the coming ages because ages is plural and it means ongoing or continuous. You see, God will continuously reveal things to us in heaven because our quest for knowledge when we're there and learning will be ongoing. It will never stop. It will be like the vastness of His creation. You see, there's no end to His creation. The earth is round and you can circle it and keep going around and around and around if you want to. But in God's creation, what He is going to put us in charge of and we are going to rule over with Christ with all kinds of tasks associated with that to His glory will be limitless. See, now, Olivia, the hard part that I have is trying to explain that. Because how do you do that? How do you explain that? But that's what it says. So I can apprehend it because the Bible says it, but I can't comprehend it because my brain is not equipped. It just isn't. And I think when we're in heaven, this in power part that the Bible talks about in terms of our resurrection, the power part, I believe, careful when I say I believe, but I believe it is going to be in part because we are going to be in heaven for an eternity, quite physically, and we are going to have a quest for knowledge and to be doing things that are to the glory of God, and it will never end. You see, everything that we do right now, we relate to on the basis of time pressure, because at the end of the day, I'm tired, and i got to go to work tomorrow morning, and I have to be there at 7 o'clock, and there's never enough time to get everything done that I want to get done. And so, 
time, 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 and it's compact, and I'm going to die at the end of my life unless, you know, unless the resurrection happens tonight. Um, you know what I mean? Everything is, my whole life is built around that because that's what we know, but there it won't be that way. Huh. Hey, Bill, you keep talking about rolling the rain, mm-hmm. but when you're in heaven and the new earth, everything's perfect, so what are you supposed to be ruling over? I mean, you're not, it's, it's like you're going to be a dictator over something. Oh. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, baby, it does. Oh, because there's things to do. You see, because there is an economy in heaven. There is an economy of relationship. There is an economy of love. There is an economy of we are going to be, there is going to be hierarchy. And it's going to be hierarchy unlike anything that we're used to now because the hierarchy you're used to now is a boss that you don't like. (laughs) There's no such thing in heaven. But trust me, you will have a boss. It might be somebody in this room. It's possible. Because we are going to inherit. We are co-heirs with Christ. And we are going to be reigning with Him in heaven. There are things to do. And we'll look at that a little if you miss that, go and you can you can listen to it. But there there are there is hierarchy and there is reigning and ruling that requires some degree of hierarchy, tasks, responsibilities, which are what you are going to be rewarded for while you're here. God is going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? And, you're, and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were you were faithful with a few things. I'm going to give you a whole bunch. The whole bunch he's going to give you is work. Isn't that interesting? Because we think of work as a dirty word. And yet, what did God do? He worked at creating. And then he put Adam in the, in the garden. And what did he say? He said, now go to work. Okay? And rule over the, the beasts of the field and all the animals and all that kind of stuff. And but what Adam wanted to do is hook up with his wife and eat the fruit and they messed it all up for the rest of us. But there was work to do. There was a hierarchy, and it was diatheke. I love that. That's still my favorite word until I, until I can find a new one. But the diatheke is the greater to the lesser. There will still be a greater to a lesser in all aspects of the things that we're going to be doing in heaven. There will be a hierarchy, and yet you will absolutely love it. Because everything that you do there, according to Scripture, will be pure joy. You won't be able, you just, you won't be able to get enough of what it is that God has rewarded you with for what you did with what he gave you here to be responsible for. What did you do with what I gave you? That's all he wants to know. And then with that, he is going to give you some responsibility in heaven. Now, what does that look like exactly? We're not told. We're just told that there will be some hierarchy and that there will be responsibilities. And then what about, what about things like, here's a good one. <clears throat> How many times have you heard that you are not going to need your Bible in heaven? Anybody? Anybody ever said that? Come on, be honest. Hmm. I think we're going to know what we need to know what we want to I don't think we're going to have to ask a bunch of questions. 
makes you think that, Timmy? <laughs> well, it's kind of a compilation of all that I've read in the New Testament. Well, with some Old Testament prophecy. I'm sorry, I can't. Do you, do you like to read? Anybody like to read? Yeah, I love to read. I'm a reader. And, um, you know, it's, I'm almost to the point of being a nut job about it, you know. And I like to, I like to study. You know, when we get done with, with heaven, you know, I told you that what we're going to do is we're going to go right next to hell because, you know, if there's any way to have an unpopular church, it's to, have a, uh, it's to, it's to talk and, and, and teach on things like sin and hell. You know, that, that make, everybody scatters for the for the hills, but I like talking about that kind of stuff because it's in it's in the Bible and it, it helps us understand how how we're to live now. And so uh, you know, so uh, so just because I like to read, um, you know, I I went you know my favorite place is ChristianBook.com. So there I am, and I'm on ChristianBook.com, and so I you know I I, I bought nine books written by authors that I trust. Um, that are a lot smarter than I'll ever be uh, on hell. And then I take, I take my Bible and I, I open it up and I, uh, based on, because on, I like commentators, and so based on what they say, I look in the scriptures to see if it, if it lines up, and sometimes it does, and sometimes I scratch my head thinking, how did he get there from here? Um, but that's what I like to do, and it's, it's, um, it's, it's fun. So, why did God take that away from me in heaven? Because will never pass away. Psalm 119.89 says, Your word, Lord, is what? Eternal. And so are you. You are eternal. You're going to live forever. And so is God's word. It stands firm in the heavens, according to Psalm 119. Lord, if we're going to be made like Christ, well, let's keep going. But before we keep going there to answer that question, the psalmist says that it stands firm in the heavens. 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 Plural? What are the heavens, biblically? No, I, I can't explain it. It stands for... Is that literal? Or is that just a figure of speech? See, because we talk about this many times in terms of how you have to interpret Scripture. Do you interpret it literally? Or is it figurative in some cases? Do you spiritualize it? Or is it just a figure of speech of which there are many? When it's literal, when you can interpret it literal, do you interpret literal? And the and the psalmist says, your your word, Lord, is eternal. Why would we take? We know it's eternal. It's never going to go away. Why then would we take that part of it literal and then say it stands firm in the heavens, and then say that well that's just a figure of speech? Well, I'm here to tell you that God's word is going to be not only taken literally, it will be taken with us, and it will it will be uh, it will be declared. In the new heavens and the new earth for an eternity. Turn to, turn to Matthew 24 35. Dwayne, you just alluded to this one. 
His words will never pass away. Uh, we have a couple of scriptures here, one of the Old and one of the New Testament. I picked those specifically because God's word is not going away. That's never. That's eternity. It will never pass away. So where will they be? Where will God's words be, guys, when we're in heaven? Are you sure? Are you going to go to heaven and have 100% of the Bible memorized? <laughs> I struggle with three scripture references trying to memorize them now. And yet we're going to have these glorified bodies and we'll be raised in power. Could God put it on our hearts so that we would know it all? Sure, he could. He's God. Why not? But then why is God's word then going to be in the heavens eternal? It's very specific here. It's really hard to pull this out and say that, well, God's word won't be necessary. Here's what I think. Of course, Matthew 4, 4 that we read earlier talks about that we can't just live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And is the mouth of God going to be shut up in heaven? I don't think so. There's going to be more, not less. He will dwell with us. It's his word, so he will provide it to us. Hmm? It's his word, so therefore he'll provide it to us. Okay, how is that going to happen? He walked with Adam and he spoke in the garden. And that was then. And this is now. And then we're going. And we have the word of God now. And there's not, a, there's not a one of us in this room that isn't absolutely convinced that this is the Holy Bible, the Holy inspired Word of God, totally sufficient, and there's not any need for anything else. Everything that we need is contained in the Word of God. He speaks to us through it. He lives through it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God, and we were going to be with him. We will know the word. We will know the word, and we will also know that according to Revelation, that there is what other words are there going to be in heaven? What other written words are there going to be in heaven? Come on, you know this. There's scrolls. There are scrolls in heaven. Your name. Is going is in heaven now, and it will be in heaven forever. Written, it is written. What makes you think that the word of God is going to just poof go away, and it won't be written? I don't think so, because the Bible is clear that there are scrolls in heaven, there are books in heaven, and the books in heaven, what are they used for? The book of life is there. What's in the book of life? Names, things. The volume that must be contained. If we are to interpret literally that there are scrolls and books in heaven with all the things, Steve, that you have done. Don't think of that negatively now. This is one of yeah, but what about the what about the other few hundred billion people over time? 
I don't know, I have a commentary uh, series, you know, and it's 17 volumes and it takes up this much room on the shelf in my, in my study, you know, and I, and I love, I like to read it because I use it when I'm studying and, uh, and it's written by like 12 or 15 different guys and, uh, and, you know, I've had this for years. Am I through it yet? No. No. And that's just, that's, a, there's not even much in there. We're going to have time to read. There are scrolls. There is written word. Please don't make the assumption because the Bible does not say that when you get to heaven, you are going to know everything. It says just the opposite. It says when you get to heaven, you are going to be on a quest for knowledge. I can see in my mind's eye right now this group sitting at the feet of Jesus asking questions about Scripture that none of us has the answer to right now because it's just beyond our comprehension at the moment and we're going to want to know. Why would we not want to know? When I've spent my whole 20 years of my Christian life, I've been, I've been trying to devour that book. I mean, I'm not very good at it, but I'm telling you, I've been trying to devour it and there is so much that I don't understand. That is not made clear. I can imagine sitting under the teaching of Jesus while we're ruling and reigning with him with the Bible in my hand saying, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I got a question. And having him be the patient Jesus that he is saying, oh, boy. <laughs> let me tell you a story. Okay, because I want to know. A quest for knowledge will be never ending. Why would the Bible go away? Why? Because we think of it physically. The physicality of the Bible. We think of the physicality of the Bible and yet you are going to be very physical living in a very physical place doing very physical things. And there are going to be physical scrolls there with written words in them that we're told about. Why isn't there going to be other books there that we're not told about? There are going to be books there. Praise God there's going to be books in heaven because I'm going to have an eternity to read. I like to read. I'm hoping that I'm going to like to read when I get there. I know that there's at least going to be the scrolls in the book of life. I don't know how many volumes that is. And I don't know if I'll be interested in reading those. But I want to believe, although the scripture doesn't say, it alludes to the fact that God's word is eternal. And if God's word is eternal... And God inspired it through the Holy Spirit and we hold it in our hands. If we knew what we were holding in our hands, we would be on our face. Just like if we understood the glory of God as we sit in this place. We wouldn't be able to sit. We would be on our face, you see. And those are the things that are going to be revealed to us. I think it's highly likely that we'll have not only the Bible, but perhaps other books to read that will be made perfect. Not the malarkey that we have now. There won't be any book in heaven that questions the existence of hell. I can assure you of that. <laughs> they shouldn't exist now, but they do because that's, that's Satan's ploy. And so we're going to work in heaven, right? Steve, you're going to have a job. Revelation 7.15 and 22.3, you don't have to turn there, says that we are going to be serving in heaven. That means what? Who are we serving? We're serving with Jesus. Well, because remember, we're ruling and reigning, not for, 
The Bible is very clear. With. Now that's mind-boggling. This is the Jesus that I worship and I'm going to be ruling and reigning with him? You talk about feeling unworthy in my humanity. Are you kidding? I don't even feel worthy to do this. We're going to be there and we're going to rule and reign with him? That's mind-boggling. But it's true. So are you. <laughs> and you and you. We all are. Okay? And God's Word tells us that that work is going to be fruitful, not frustrating. Because that's how we look at work now. My work sometimes is frustrating. I can't get it done. People annoy me. None of you, of course. But you know what I mean. Because that's our humanity. And there's not going to be any time pressures there. There's not going to be any deadlines of the work that we're going to be doing, ruling and reigning. There's a lot to take care of. You know, it's not going to happen all by itself. God is going to reward us with things to do. He is going to assign us tasks based on what? The gifts that he gives us and the rewards, because the rewards are a gift for what we did while we were here. Isaiah says that our heavenly work is going to be eternal, meaningful, pleasurable, and joyful. When was the last time you had a job like that? <laughs> I enjoyed my job. Mm-hmm. The frustration that I, I really enjoyed what I did. Well, God is going to have us work because He worked. The Bible's really clear. It says that God worked in creating. And then what did He do after He worked? What else are we going to do in heaven? <sighs> John 4.23 says what? We can take that home tonight. John 4.23 Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And that's John 4.23? I believe so. Well, then I, miss, then I don't have the right reference in here because that's not the one that I was looking for. What I was looking for is Jesus that Jesus... Said, Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal it up to yourself. Do hear in your hometown what you heard, what we heard you do at Capernaum. Okay, well, let me fix what I messed up then and tell you that I can paraphrase the scripture that I was looking for here by saying that Jesus came to finish God's work. It says in John somewhere. Well, we'll hmm. take that home. Okay, take that home. That's your. You can make. You can Google that if you'd like to, and you can find that. But but Jesus came to do the Father's work. Okay, and then Jesus also said what? In Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest." And God rested after He was done working. Revelation 14, 13. I know Dwayne's already there. And I heard a voice from heaven say, Right to blessed are the dead, to die in the Lord, and now on. Just as it says, they will rest from their labor, but their deeds will follow them. 
So which deeds is John the Revelator talking about here? The deeds that are going to follow them. Because he says right there that... Excuse me? Kevin? Which deeds? Yeah, good deeds. When are we doing this? When are we going to do those good deeds? Now. Now. You see, he says right this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord for now. From now on. From that time forward. When he was writing this through the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, uh, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor. I think about this. It's always easy to think about this from a, from a pastoral point of view. We think of pastors and we think of missionaries and we think those are the guys that are doing the work of the Lord, right? Wrong. <laughs> That's so wrong. Are they doing the work of the Lord? Well, of course they are. And then we get all caught up in this thing where we say, well, you know, uh, don't listen to Pastor Richie. But, you know, pastors are in vocational ministry, right? Meaning they get paid to do this work. And some of them really mess that up, don't they? <laughs> they really mess that up. And yet what the Bible says is that we are going to be able to rest from our... This is not a Bible reference that is pointing to missionaries and pastors. Sorry, this is a Bible reference that says that, hey, while you're here doing the work of the Lord, sharing the tracks with the guy that worked on your car today, Brenda, all of the things that we do. I remember I remember Pastor Don and he was in the hospital and there was these two nurses and Tyler and, and Richie and I were there. We were and, and we walked in and he is there and he is sharing the gospel with these two nurses reminding them to take seriously their relationship with the Lord if they don't have one already. You see, that is, then he went to rest in the Lord. That's what he's talking about. And, and that might be, I like to call him Pastor Don because he was, it's always Pastor Don to me. We Pastor Don since I see him again too. But that's all of us. Okay, Jordan? Yeah, that's you too, dude. Seriously. So what are we doing, man, with what we got here? What we're doing is, is that we got to put our faith in Christ and we've got to share it with others and we've got to take that serious. doesn't mean we can't have fun. You can jump out of an airplane, which he's going to do in a week. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have some fun with that. Um, and, and yet, yet, you can be serious about your relationship with the Lord and then you can rest. We will be given rest in the implications here from the earthly work that we do of all kinds, Steve. So if you have an ugly job... Well, guess what? Bear it. Grin it and bear it. And give thanks for it. Because give thanks for all things. And yet, we are then going to have all kinds of rest. We can rest in Christ now and we can rest when we get to heaven. Because that is going to be this foreshadow of what heaven is going to look like. Which is, uh, if you're worried... If you're wearied and you're burdened, you can come to Christ and he will give you rest. Why? Because he takes the pressure off. Because then all of a sudden, if you have a really crappy, excuse my language, job, you can have thankfulness in your heart. The fact that you even have a job. Okay? Because some people don't. And ultimately, the reward for those things that you did while you were here that I submit to you, you ought to be taking quite seriously because there are people's lives that are at stake. We're in the life-saving business here. And then God is going to reward us and give us rest. We're not going to get to heaven and then be burdened. 
in the new heaven. Because in the present heaven, as we've seen in Scripture, there are still burdens. Remember that? The martyrs are burdened for those that are left here still. We see that those burdens continue, but without sin. I can't explain that either. I don't know what a burden without sin is like. I only know what I'm burdened with, with sin. And so, then we have to ask the most important question of the night is, are we going to barbecue in heaven? (laughs) Seriously. Okay, so there's Jesus. Thank you for that. That wasn't a reference that I had. So, okay, uh, well then, okay, let's take it to a more practical level, even though a really rare side of medium rare New York steak sounds like heaven to me. Um, uh, So, are we gonna? Are we gonna? Are we gonna even eat in heaven? Jesus was on earth when he ate. He went to the upper room and he reclined with the boys and he he showed himself to a whole bunch of people in his resurrected body and he ate. He even said once he was hungry. He said he was going to prepare a feast. Oh, man. Okay. Okay, so we're going to eat in heaven. You comfortable with that? Okay. Mm. Interesting. So yeah, you see, there's going to be there's going to be a crop every month in heaven. What are we going to do with that fruit? There are fruit trees in heaven. What are we going to do with that? There is going to be, in fact, in Acts ten, you don't have to turn there. Acts ten forty uh, talks about God raising him from the dead, and on the third day causing him to be seen, and he was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses of of uh, God who had already chosen. Um, uh, and by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. So we know that Jesus ate after he rose from the dead in his resurrected body. I'm telling you that the Bible teaches that in our resurrected bodies we will eat and we will drink. Now I say that only because you can read commentators that will suggest to you there will be no need for eating and drinking and so we won't. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus in his resurrected body ate and drank. And that's a foreshadow of what, the, of what heaven is going to be like. And I don't know about you, but I enjoy eating. George? So he said he wouldn't drink at the vine again until... Until then. Exactly. So if we eat, are we going to have to go to the bathroom? Ah, now that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I have it on good authority. Now, this is an extra biblical book that I read. <laughs> that said that, uh, that uh, part of what's being prepared is there's an Andy Gump portable toilet service already there. No, I'm just kidding. That's not irreverent. I'm just kidding. Just don't, um, just don't run into him. <laughs> but that's right. You would have to remember that. Jesus ate and drank in his resurrected body. And then he said in Luke 22... 29, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel, which we will be doing in heaven and we will be eating and we will be drinking. And then there will be a feast because in Matthew eight eleven it says, 
I say to you that many will come from the east and the west. This is heaven he's talking about. Many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Any question about whether or not we're going to be eating? And I only emphasize that because there are some people that believe that we're not going to eat in heaven. I don't know how you get there from here. And these are just a few scripture references. It says, oh, there's going to be plenty to eat. Now, I don't know if we're going to barbecue because it doesn't say that. As a matter of fact, then we have to deal with not spiritualizing all this stuff, but then we have to deal with if we're going to eat. Is there going to be any such thing as a New York steak? Because doesn't the Bible say that there's not going to be any more death in heaven? Ooh, bummer. (laughs) So are we going to be vegetarians then? Are we going to be... Is that what it says? Well, that four-corner sheet that came down sort of took away that. I think you could be a vegetarian if you wanted to. How's that say? Well, I know that's a pretty interesting thing to talk about because here, all of a sudden, we like to eat, don't we? Most of us enjoy eating. I'm sure in heaven they can have meat without death. I'm sure in heaven. Okay, is that because you want to believe that? No, they'll just borrow a piece and then you can be like that. Okay, you can put it back. <laughs> Well, that's really interesting because, I mean, the reality is, is that the God's word teaches that in heaven. And we, we're going to take a look at animals, too, because, you know, there, there are going to be a plethora of animals. And it says that there's no death. And so if there's no death, that means that cows and chickens and pigs and fish are not going to die in heaven. Because no death means what? No death. And we're going to see quite specifically how important animals are to God next week. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna end our heaven series next week. But let me tell you, animals are really important to God. The precursor to what we're going to look at next week is, is that that's the second most important thing that he created are animals right next to us. Because he breathed the breath of life into them exactly the same way he did us. And then he says there will be no death. And so if there's going to be no death, I think it's going to be really hard to cut a New York steak off the back of a cow. I really think it's going to be hard to do that. On the other hand, on the other hand, he is going to bring nothing but joy to us in heaven and pleasure to us in heaven. And everything will be made perfect. And I like to read and I like to eat New York steaks when I can. And I'm wondering if tofu will taste like a New York steak. I don't know. All God has to do is speak it and it is. Speak it and it is. But what is the thing that we know? There will be no more death. That includes the animals. It could be because if you look at Psalm 78, 25, and it says that God calls manna food for angels. Now, I don't know how to interpret that exactly, but I have to think that if manna, this is the same manna. The, the Israelites were all torqued off about because they were <laughs> sick and tired of it. Eternity. And apparently, manna, manna, according to Psalm seventy-eight twenty-five, is called the food for angels. Now, we have to be a little bit careful with that in terms of the literal interpretation of that, because do angels eat? We don't want to go there tonight. But I'm just saying that that, we have to be a little bit careful with that. But it is a reference 
and something that needs to be understood in terms of God's provision, which will be glorified in heaven. His provision for us in heaven will go beyond anything that we can comprehend here. You can't just spiritualize these things. What we have to do is that we have to be reasonable and we have to we can we can make a few not assumptions, but we can make but we can use our imagination and I don't know if we're going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> scripture is silent. Thank God. Scripture is silent on that issue. <laughs> I don't want to know. I hope not, but what I hope is not important. It's what Scripture says. And what Scripture says is God will provide, we will eat, we will enjoy it, it will be joyful, and nothing is going to die that is alive in order to accomplish that. And yet everything I eat is going to be pleasurable. And in some ways, and we don't have time to go into this quite yet tonight because we're about to end, in some ways, the Scriptures refer to the fact that our eating in heaven will be based on the fact that we want to and we derive pleasure from it as opposed to needing it. Well, even if Isn't you, that interesting? Even if you try to say it's going to be vegetarian, the plant has to die to be Mm-hmm. That we're talking about... So there's no death. But now you, that's a philosophical argument and not a theological argument. Okay, because you can you can philosophize and, 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 and you know until we're all just dead on the floor. <laughs> but 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 I get what you're saying and I understand it. But the point is is that Scripture says we won't need the food for energy or whatever. That's right. Why? That's right. Because in our glorified body we will be raised not only in but with power and we won't be tired and we won't wear out and we you know there's going to be a heaven is a place of those no mores there will be no more of almost everything that we relate to here there will be no more okay? and Olivia is really glad for that right now because you won't have to worry about an MRI on Friday you just won't you'll never have to deal with that there's no more MRIs because there's no more bad knees when you've been there when we've been there 10,000 years. 10,000 years is going to be like a that's gone, right? When it compared to basis to eternity. So what we're going to be doing in heaven is ruling and reigning. And what we're going to be doing in heaven is that we are going to be managing and taking care of God's creation, which is what he asked Adam to do when he originally gave him the work in the garden. He says, this is for y'all. Okay? This is for y'all. Go ahead and... And, and, and you have dominion over the animals, by the way, that weren't going to die. Because when did animals start dying? Ooh. At the fall, even that we've got to be a little bit careful with, because did they really start dying at the fall, or was it really after the flood? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We can debate that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. The point, of course, of all of that is that God will provide. God will provide. And while we're there, we will be very busy in a very restful kind of way. That is a human oxymoron. (laughs) Isn't it? Yes. And the work that we do there 
We will work like stevedores because we want to and it will be joyful and yet there will be plenty of time to enjoy all the things that God has provided for us to do. Which includes exploring and discovering all of God's creation that he has provided for us to rule and reign over. And what it's like to get from here to the end of eternity, because it has no end, is something that I can't describe to you because I don't have words for that. But you are going to explore it and God is going to provide you with more knowledge of who he is and we are going to learn more about him, his creation, each other, and it will never end. And it will be so joyful that no matter what you've experienced here that gives you the most joy, it will pale. In fact, won't even register on a comparative basis to the joy of those things that Christ is preparing for us now for an eternity. Amen? Next week we'll take a look at the animals and then we're going to take a look at how God richly uh, provides for us for our benefit just like now, only then it will be very physical because we'll be spiritual with physical bodies as opposed to physical in the spiritual realm. It will be upside down and we'll understand. Amen? So we will conclude our heaven series next week. And then get uncomfortable because we're going to talk about hell. I like that. Well, I'm, that came out wrong. No, I really don't like hell. Um, but what I like about it is it's reality. Okay? And the reality is that um, you know uh, the truth of God's word is going to go on for an eternity and we'll have it forever. And it'll be declared in the heavens forever. And that includes hell. Now, that's an interesting philosophical and theological debate about whether or not we'll know about hell when we're in heaven. Right? <laughs>